You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to another Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Mike Chappell, Joe Hopkins. I'm Dave Griffiths. Love to have you all tune in. The Colts have a Monday night matchup with the Pittsburgh Steelers this week, and we are coming to you an entire day early for the Thanksgiving holiday. So That's you, just who we are. It is. We're, we're we generous. lead into the holidays. I hope you're thankful for us. We're thankful for you, to be perfectly honest. I would be really thankful if you would download, subscribe to us, get us delivered to your podcast listening device whenever we drop. How, how many people would listen to us if we did this tomorrow? Well... That you could see some people on, on a lazy Thanksgiving evening kind of waiting for the next uh, football game to kick off. I think it's more so this podcast wouldn't exist because none of us are going to do it. Well, there's, yeah. there's that, too. <laughs> that's, 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 that's a real reason. I have uh, my mouth full of turkey. I would be in a tryptophan-induced <laughs> coma myself, uh, so it would be unlikely to make it to air. Uh, we'll preview this Colt Steelers matchup with an injury update. We'll have keys to the game, of course, making our predictions. But we start with the news, which is significant once again this week. It is that time of the year that Mike Chappell gets busy with the Pro Football Hall of Fame Selection Committee. Um, Reggie Wayne, Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis, all among the 28 modern-era semifinalists for the Hall of Fame class of 2023. Those three combined for 18 Pro Bowls in their career with the Colts, five All-Pro selections, a couple Super Bowl appearances, and, of course, the Super Bowl championship. Modern-era semifinalists here, as I said, there's 28. It'll be trimmed down to 15 finalists next month, chap. We'll find out the five who will be Hall of Famers uh, Super Bowl weekend all the way in early February. But when we look at these three, obviously uh, they are, uh, to, to steal a phrase or to turn a phrase, in the upper quartile of the top quartile. Not going to let that go, are I you? will never let it go of, of players in the NFL. But are they Hall of Famers? That is the question for everybody. That is the question that Mike Chappell will bring to the Hall of Fame committee himself. You've got some practice with um, with Reggie Wayne, with uh, Robert Mathis last year. This year is Dwight Freeney's first year of eligibility, so you get to kind of present a new case for him. Let, let's start with him, since uh, since he's the new one to this list. Uh, when you think about Dwight Freeney's Hall of Fame c- credentials, Chapp, uh, where do you begin? Yeah, well, I had to put he and Mathis together because they're they're sort of, you know, joined at the hip. And if I had to, if I had to venture a guess nationally, I think there's more push for Freeney. I, I mean, not push, but j- just name value and what he did. I think the perception is he was a smidge better than Mathis, and it's a it's a small smidge. But nationally, I think that's what the impression is. This is his first year of eligibility, second for Mathis. Mathis didn't make the final 15 last year. I think Dwight does. I, I think Dwight and Reggie do. But it's just interesting because there's a lot of pass rushers, Demarcus Ware and, and you know Jared Allen and people like that. And it's when when you mix them with everybody else, it's just kind of what's your flavor. So you know, I I think Dwight. I was asking a player, I won't mention his name because I don't want Mathis to go after him in the close locker room today. That if you had to pick, and I used to ask John Turling, the the late great line coach, if you only have one. Which would it be, Freeney or Mathis? He said that's like asking me to choose which of my sons I like better. So you can't do that. But the guy I talked to in the locker room said Freeney by, by a smidge, and it's not meant as a knock on Robert at all. But I'm really curious how nationally these two guys are viewed by the 49 
a member panel, which, like you mentioned, I'm one of them. Yeah, when you look at Mathis, uh, he's the one that holds the uh, NFL record for strip sacks. So he's a guy who who is a difference maker, uh, unquestionably. Yeah, but Freeney's like second or third. Exactly. So, so it's not like, you know, Freeney was 12. No, they're right there together. You're right. And, and I just, I think there is a difference when you can you can go before a committee and you can say he's the record holder, or right. rather, oh, he's third or fourth, you know, on that list, no, which is still pretty darn good on that list. Um, but but Joe, when, when you grew up as, of course, a Colts fan, and those two guys were terrorizing um, uh, opposing opposing offense, obviously, I mean, you start with Dwight Freeney being the Syracuse guy. That's, I think, where his Hall of Fame credit begin but 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 uh, but other than that past that once he became a, a well-respected member of the horseshoe um i i'd assume you would love to see him getting that gold jacket on the steps in canton giving a speech one day as well absolutely and i'd i'd pick if i had to freeney as well he kind of seemed like the catalyst and then mathis was kind of um a sidekick would be too insulting to call him that because he was right there his partner in crime with them one and one a partner in crime i think is a good one well, and that's the what, Colts no, career sack leader Exactly. It's Robert Mathis. Right. And after Freeney left, Mathis still put up great numbers on his own. So he kind of proved that, you know, it's not because the attention was on Freeney. But I think a lot of it is, you know, that classic, that right defensive end going up against the left tackle um, is why Freeney kind of got so much attention. His patented spin move. School Jonathan Ogden one time in Baltimore. So it's. And that's about know, all you get out off of Jonathan Ogden is one correct, time. Correct, correct. <laughs> if you get one time. So uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I have high hopes that Freeney will make it through. And, uh, of course, uh, Reggie, if, if, if I had to guess one who was, would come in third, I think it might be Mathis, and that's no knock. They're all great players who I think all deserve to make the Hall of Fame at some point. And Chap makes the point as well, of course, that there is kind of a queue of pass rushers right now, and that has forever been to its benefit or to its detriment for the Hall of Fame selection committee, the wait-your-turn attitude not necessarily always really go knock down, grind out to determine which player was the quote-unquote best player. But, hey, this guy has been in it for a couple years. When you look at a guy like a Jared Allen, who was a great pass rusher, a guy like Demarcus Ware, who was in it last year, I was surprised he didn't get Should have been first ballot yeah, last year. Yeah, exactly, especially with the class last year, which wasn't, wasn't that – I, like you say, it's not that great, but then you look at each of the players, you're like, well, each of them is a, is a pretty darn good player. So that's why they're all Hall of Famers. But um, so that, that's why, like, I, I would find it difficult to to put Mathis or Freeney in ahead of some of those guys, um, just just based on what the committee has done in the past. Ch- I, I, I know, chap, you're going to go to bat for these guys, but that that seems to be a reasonable a reasonable approach. Not that every fan opinion is reasonable, but that, that seems to be the reasonable approach to these guys. Well, it has been, and then the the committee really irritated me last year because the Andre Johnson uh, and Andre Johnson jumped jumped the line. Right now, the year before Calvin Johnson did, and you say, okay, you that's know, fine. Yeah, go, yeah, go, I get go, go, you know, you you first. But for the previous couple years, Reggie and Tory Holt were the guys, uh, and neither one I don't think made the final ten. Maybe Holt did one year, but then last year Andre Johnson came in first year, and he made the final ten ahead of Reggie and and Holt, which really I grinded chaps gears. It did, it did, <laughs> but because again, it's just it, it, it's you wait your turn. Marvin had to wait his turn. Marvin Harrison for crying out loud. Who's a first ballot Hall of Famer from Syracuse, Syracuse. University? And, and you know, now you had to wait for Andre Reed. You had to wait for Tim Brown. I thought, really? Uh, so we'll see. R- Reggie, it, it's a it's difficult. And I'm I need. I told him the other day. I said I need new material. Can you come back and play and get a couple more thousand <laughs> yards? But 
the one thing that I've always said the last or the last three years, and it's fallen on deaf ears, I guess, is the body of work. You know, the the, the bullet point is there there are two players in league history that rank ten in the top ten in yards catches in regular season and postseason. And it's Reggie Wayne and Jerry Rice. That's still a stat after like I three mean, or four years it, of telling it, it's you. It's just crazy that that and it, the the problem is that well you played with Marvin, and you played and you had Manning and Luck most of your career. Well, Andre Reid had Jim Kelly, right? You know, so a lot of these guys had had that guy for a long. You know, you Michael Irvin had had Troy Aikman. You think that's why Andre Johnson kind of skipped because it he was didn't? part. His best quarterback was Matt Schaub. Okay, but that you're holding that against another player. So, and then what really chafed me, and I'm going to try to talk, if Reggie gets there, it's going to be one of my talking points, is someone said, I won't mention who it was, said, well, you know, Cal, or, uh, Andre Johnson just looks like a Hall of Famer. What the heck does that mean? I mean, we're in swimsuit competition now, and what I'd come back and say is, well, if you look at the, the body of work, Reggie Wayne looks like a Hall of Famer. So we'll see where it goes. We've all got our agendas, if that's what you want to call it. I was surprised Sam Mills made it. I was disappointed that the Marcus Ware didn't make it. I mean, when you think about first ballot guys, Demarcus Ware checks every box. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. It's 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 funny. Whenever we we come out with, we have our 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 meeting. I think it's the middle of January, and then it's we're then we're sworn to secrecy for like three weeks, mm-hmm. and it's released at the uh, Super Bowl, at the NFL Awards thing. Is what I think is what it is. But it, it's really interesting to sit in there and listen to people with what goes on and, and why they believe. One, one time with Reggie, some guy from New York said, well, you know, there was that playoff game against the Jets where he had like one target and no catches. How do you explain that? And I wasn't quick enough. I'd say, well, I don't know. Brett Favre had six interceptions in a playoff game. How do you, how do you explain that? <laughs> you know, one game? If we're going to go back to one game, I mean, we can find everybody who had that game that you want to forget. But it's really interesting to see the discussions. And I'll share one more thing and we'll move on is, is Jason Cole, who's been on the committee a long time. He always surveys like 300 GMs, coaches, scouts, NFL types. And he said, okay, here are our 15. How do you rank them? And this past year it was DeMarcus Ware. And I think Baselli, I think, and Reggie Wayne was third. I thought, man, this is good. this is this it's is a year. This is a year, and then it it went it went south. So, you know, a lot of guys believe in Reggie, and, and some guys believe enough with the Colts. And I think that does work against him to some degree. You know, as many Hall of Famers with they've got five in there mm-hmm. from the two thousands and one Super Bowl. If you, if you guys were that great, why only one? You know, well, I can go down the reasons, but no one wants to hear them. So we'll see. It's really interesting, and and people always say, well. This guy should have gotten in, whomever. Well, who do you want to take off? Well, I don't want to take anybody off. No, no, you, you get five. You get five. So it, it's interesting. You know, it's a flawed process, like all processes are with this. Uh, but it's interesting, and we'll see where it goes. The Colts also made a roster move this week, signing defensive end Khalid Kareem off of Cincinnati's practice squad, waived safety Trevor Denbo, who might make it back to the Colts practice squad eventually himself. But that is the move for right now. What does Hancock Health's membership in the Mayo Clinic Care Network mean for you? It means our independent health network now has access to the knowledge and resources of the world leader in medicine. It means your Hancock Health doctor can now consult with Mayo Clinic specialists to confirm a diagnosis or treatment plan. It means that together... 
We're making health possible for you. Learn more about our new clinical collaboration at hancockregional.org front slash Mayo Clinic. The Colts and Steelers, Monday night football, 8 plus o'clock kickoff, 8, 8.15, whenever it is that, uh, that they finally decide to get going. Um, since we're coming to you on Wednesday, there is no official injury report right now as we tape this podcast. The Colts will release one later today, so you can check us out online on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone for a, a little more details on that today, tomorrow, over the next couple of days as those injury reports come out. But, Joe, do you see anything from uh, from out there at practice? No, from a Is today going to be one of those that's kind of a walkthrough estimation type thing? It might be, since it's a Wednesday and uh, they don't... Uh, I think they practiced today. They you were, think they it was real practice? Today. Okay, cool. I, I think I saw Jelani Woods was back. Matt Pryor was back. Remember, he was, he was hospitalized yeah. briefly. Yeah. Uh, well, there was something nasty going through the Colts. There was, and, last he, and he got the nastiest of it. Right. I mean, when they say, you know, this is, you know, to go for observation, and, and they kept him for a while. So, yeah, Jelani Woods would be good to get him back. Uh, but I, I think this is, they're, they're going to, we're going to see this injury report this week, and there's going to be a lot of guys out. It's going to be rest or whatever, because this is a chance where you can prolong rehab for players. And, and we, we saw last week, I think, when, um, who was it? DeForest Buckner was listed with like a neck injury or something that it, it was really a rest day. Uh, it really, really was. But there are certain rules and regulations about how you have to list players on these injury reports. Like if they have something even that's small, if they have something that they've seen trained, right. I don't know exactly what the verbiage is in, in, in the NFL rule book, but um, they, you, you might see more of that too. Like guys that they want to rest so that like if you see X's on the, Injury report with a hamstring. Don't freak out yet on Wednesday or, or is Thursday. Limited, or, or if you didn't practice at all. Right. It's an extended week, so yes. you're going to take it easy. So this is one that, that the um, you, don't, you don't jump straight from DEFCON 5 all the way up to DEFCON 2 on Wednesday. Let, let's wait until Friday. Let's wait until Saturday to see how things play out. I'll be eager to see if Quiddy Pay makes it back, um, if he's out of his boot yet. Um, but, but like I said, we'll, we'll kind of uh, we'll, we'll determine eventually um, throughout the week uh, what exactly is going on with the injury report. For the Steelers, kind of the same deal, but they have ruled out their kicker, Chris Boswell, with a groin injury. He was placed on injured reserve earlier this month. Uh, they signed kicker Matthew Wright and in uh, Boswell's stead. And uh, Pittsburgh, no easy place to kick either. I don't know exactly how many games they've played at home and how many they've been on the road in these last four games Wright has kicked, but he is 8 for 11, field goals, 13-13 PATs. So that, that's... That doesn't sound too bad. Of course, I don't know what the three kicks he missed were, but um, but overall, number is not too shabby uh, for Matthew right there uh, filling in. Um, of course, he will be uh, I- indoors in Lucas Oil Stadium this weekend. Roof so. closed. Well, who knows what Jim Irsay will say, like last <laughs> why did, week. Why did he do that? <laughs> I pulled one over on you, Mike. Oh, boy. I got you good. But, but he, then he sent the other one out, and a minute later, just kidding. Exactly. Yes. Take, take his phone away from him, Somebody. Please. <laughs> He's just having too much fun this year, yes, man. Yes, he is. He's having way too much fun. Can't wait to see uh, the next video in front of a plane engine roaring behind him, wherever the heck he is. Uh, but <clears throat> Joe, Joe makes the point, uh, made the point before we started. This is a one primetime game, three of the next four. The Colts will be in prime time. So they have two on Monday night football. This one, the Chargers won the day after Christmas. And then they have the Sunday night football game in Big D in Dallas uh, against the Cowboys right before their bye week. So Next week. Yeah, you get, you, if, hopefully you're a night owl over the next, uh, next month or so as uh, you get to watch the Colts in prime time. Yeah, they did. They chose not to flex the Colts out of prime time. More that so they chose now. not to flex the Cowboys Probably out of prime Probably the case, time. yes. Because uh, there's some in, other interesting matchups that week. I think Tennessee plays Philly. Uh, that's going to be a good one. But another opportunity for the Colts to 
try and make a positive impression on a national scale. I mean, Chap, we were talking about that in the office, about maybe flexing them out, but for, for the NFL to flex the Cowboys... This isn't about which is the most competitive game. Right. It's which is the most attractive team. Right. And I'm not necessarily talking to Colts. Right. No no, no offense. To the, well, no. Not, not, not real offense to the now, Colts. At the beginning but. of the year, this everyone thought this was going to be a great matchup. I right. mean, talking to my brother-in-law, he actually has tickets to this game down in Dallas, and... Uh, he was pretty excited until the season kind of unfolded like it did. Arlington's a heck of a place to watch a game. I've been there. I was there when Florida State opened the regular season the year after they won the national championship. They played Oklahoma State, and they won a kind of a barn burner there in the fourth quarter. They scored a bunch back and forth. But it's a beautiful stadium. The The big screens in the middle are really, truly impressive. They're almost distracting. In a way, they are, Because yes. you want to watch the screens and not the game. Yes, like and especially the higher up you sit, it's just easier to see from the press box, yes, and from where I was in the press box, yes. Um, so, so you're you're completely right. You're like you have to be close to the field not to really be distracted by them. But it is quite the spectacle, as you would expect from one Jerry Jones. Jerry World, exactly. I was there for. I went for the uh, when I was still with the Star. We went there. The, the it was a year before Indy hosted the Super Bowl, and, and Indy sent a bunch of people to Dallas's Super Bowl. And it was it's it's a it's a fabulous facility. It really is. So the Colts are four six and one. The Steelers are three and seven, not having their best season their first year in the post Ben Roethlisberger era. Kickoff is eight fifteen p.m. Thank you, Joe, for writing that down after I thought of it five minutes ago. Uh, the Steelers just lost to the Bengals last week, thirty seven to thirty. Really, an aberration for the Steelers' season, scoring thirty points because this year they are twenty eighth in the league in scoring, averaging seventeen points per game. Just one more than the Colts, 16, of Looking course. Looking down on the Colts. Well, yeah, exactly. 27th in yards per game, 22nd in rushing, 23rd in passing. So it's not like either way they're all that good and they're just struggling with the other one. And taking the under this week, aren't you? You know, I'm taking the under, yeah. Ninth most turnovers in the league with 14, so they don't hold on to the ball overly well. Defense, Steelers known for their defense, known for their defense. Well, this year, they're 26th in points allowed, 28th in yards allowed. They are dead last, last, 32nd in the NFL in passing yards per game, even though they have the second most interceptions in the league with 12 right behind the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, 26th in sacks, though. They're not getting after the quarterback, but, 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 big but. Caveat, yep. Exactly. I'll throw that in that they've played much of this season without the venerable T.J. Watt there, and he just came back a week or two ago. And so that uh, that pass rush is uh, is going to be boosted again with him there, Joe. This 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 Steelers team, as you're looking at these numbers, did any of them specifically jump out to you? I think for me, just looking over it quickly before we came on the air, was that that defense that you expect to be so good wasn't. But you can understand it, I guess, with T.J. Watt being out for most of the year. You expect him to be the catalyst for so much else that goes on. Yeah, it's you know hard to imagine one player making such an impact but when it's the reigning defensive player of the year who had 22 and a half sacks last year um, it's a little easier to understand and the glaring difference between seventh against the run 32nd against the pass um, so the what the Colts want to do obviously is run the football but they're going to have to be a little bit more effective in passing the ball because that's where the greatest opportunities are going to lie. Chap, I don't have the stats right in front of me anywhere, but do you know, like, it's been a while since the Colts have beaten the Steelers, hasn't it? Seven straight. Seven straight. Because I, I know, because I've been, I've only been here for, what, this is my eighth year covering the Colts. I got here in 2014, and I know that they haven't beat them during during my time here. I believe the last time they beat them was 2008, mm-hmm. and Jeff Saturday was the starting center. 
<laughs> so my, what a tangled web we weave. They won. You know, I should have brought the sheet in. They, they've won like the Colts have won like three times in their indie era. So it's it's and recently though they've been close. The last three games have been four points or fewer. Mm-hmm. I remember we had nineteen when Vinny missed a. He didn't miss it. He, did, he game, just shanked man, it. That game. I, know, I was oh, there for that game in Pittsburgh. That's where that was the beginning of the end when when Brissett Brissett got hurt. And they bring in Hoyer, and he throws a touchdown. Yep. And then he threw another touchdown. But that to, touchdown to Minka Fitzpatrick exactly was not to a Colts player. So it, it's not you know I, I whenever you think of Colts Pittsburgh, you think of Roethlisberger throwing for like a zillion yards and six touchdowns. Hitting or Antonio Brown in the end zone oh, in yeah. stride. Yeah. So so that's not what it's been. They, they've been they've just been right there the last few few games and the last few times in the series. So. You gotta, you gotta get over that hump, and yep. it, it, it's just not a good thing when the last time you won, your interim coach was playing. <laughs> not, not, not the yeah. best sign of success. Yeah, no, I think of Pittsburgh. Now. I still think of uh, Ben Roethlisberger tackling Nick Harper. Oh, geez, the, the painful <laughs> memories. Yeah, that, that's that's what hits my mind. Uh, so <laughs> hopefully the Colts can get a new trend started this week. You know, that that's going to be the prevailing, I think, memory in so many Colts fans' mind until something reverse happens. Like, I think of it from my perspective, growing up in Philadelphia, and the, the last uh, Phillies uh, playoff appearance before this year was 2011, and it was them losing the fifth game, one nothing to the St. Louis freaking Cardinals, and Ryan Howard just striking out looking, basically, to, to, end, the, uh, to end it. And kind of that era of Philadelphia Phillies baseball going by the wayside. And and now, like this year, beat those stupid Cardinals in the first round. So like that's what it's gonna take, really, for Colts fans to to really get over the Steelers hump. It is 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 on a big stage coming out and doing something that is soul crushing, you know, ending an era for the Phillies this year. It was ending the era of Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina, sending them home. Yeah, you 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 ended our era of greatness. We're going to end yours. So right now that's kind of that's kind of hanging there, always over your head, always right there. And it certainly doesn't help that the Colts have lost 7 8 in a row against well, them. Well, but too. that's what we talked about this season. They had so many things hanging over their heads. Remember the the the, the ex- what was it seven straight or eight straight season opening losses? And you don't break that one, and then you, then then you don't win in Jacksonville. So there's all those things that they had a chance to do, and this is another one. And I go back to that, that Steelers game in '05. Uh, that was the Colts' best team. Yep, it, it just was. And, and can you imagine how a, one player's legacy would have changed? I'm not talking Nick Harper. I'm talking Jerome Bettis. What happens if that ball is returned? And and that's maybe Jerome Bettis' last carry at the goal line, and, and Gary Brackett puts a helmet on the ball, and, and then Mike Vanderjack misses it from here to there. I mean, it's unbelievable. But uh, that was their best team. A lot of reasons they that they played like they did. You know, it goes back to the tragedy and Tony Dungy's family. But uh, you, you got at some point. Get over the hump and beat him. And like you said, national the national stage, this is the time to do it. Well, Jerome Bettis is not walking out of that tunnel, fortunately, on, on the other side of the ball. There's a couple of generations of running backs since then. Najee Harris is their running back, the uh, 2021 first-round pick. He has five touchdowns, which uh, leads the team rushing, 550 rushing yards, averaging less than four yards per carry. So, you know, in true Pittsburgh Steelers fashion, just grinding it out, grinding, grinding, grinding it out. Only averages five yards per catch, too, 28 catches for 138 yards. But he has rushed for 90-plus 90, uh, 90 two games in a row, so having a little bit of 
success there on the ground. When you look to the to the air, Joe Kenny Pickett, uh, their rookie quarterback, was uh, was kind of the consensus top quarterback in this last draft, even though it wasn't all that consensusly high. Consensusly, if that's a word, I don't think it is, but we're going to go with it. Uh, he's got Deontay Johnson, George Pickens that he's throwing the ball to. Uh, from from what you have seen of of, of Kenny Pickett, and of course what is a limited amount, uh, but but what what have your impressions been of him? And looking at his stats as we are getting ready to see the Colts take him on this week. He kind of reminds me of like a, not as insult, but like a rookie year Jared Goff where like he, he's a pocket passer type guy, but he hasn't quite figured all that stuff out yet. Um, still getting his timing down. I think he is a little bit more athletic. He's averages 24 rushing yards per game. Um, so he can move a little bit, but he's still a guy, three passing touchdowns, five interceptions. He's completing 65% of them. Um, he's, he's, needs a year or two before he can really develop into those pocket passers. Usually the quarterbacks who we see come in and immediately take the league by storm are more of those rushing quarterbacks who can win that way as they still learn the intricacies of the passing game in the NFL. Yeah, he, he's not a dynamic player like the Colts just saw last week in Jalen Hurts at all. He's more of the stay-in-the-pocket type of guy. And, chap, that probably will will do well for this Colts defense to see a player like that because they have been able to put a decent amount of pressure on quarterbacks like that this year. And if you look at a rookie quarterback on the opposite side of the ball, I mean, you you got it if you're DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart, and, uh, and Yannick Ngakwe, and maybe Quiddy Pay if he's back. You, you've got to be really eager for this matchup to try to get in this uh, this young quarterback's head. That's what you always do with a young quarterback. Get to him early, and if you don't sack him, hit him, push him around, and get it get in his head that it's going to be a long day. To me, with, with Pittsburgh and, and Kenny Pickett, they're sort of in that in that really dangerous area to where is he the guy? And you really don't know you, you and you gotta find out. So you 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 spend two years, three years to find out. And if he's not, you know, you well, you wasted those three years, now you're gonna waste three more years. Yeah. It's kinda like what the Jets are doing with Mac Jones. Uh what's his name? Zach Wilson. Uh, Zach Wilson. Zach, I'm yeah, sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get my my so the, your AFC East quarterbacks right. all mixed up. They but, but benched it, him. They benched him and a if five and two quarterback they benched him. Go ahead. And they're six and four. They are. So if he's not the guy then, then first you were wrong thinking he was the guy, and now moving forward you got you, the time has to be right to where you can replace him. Jacksonville went through this, so for Pittsburgh you, you hope Kenny Pickett is the guy because if not, it, it's not Mason Rudolph. I mean they've already decided no. that when when they went and got Pickett. So, but that that's their issue and the Colts have their own issues. But this is a team that that offensively they just don't scare you. They just don't. Now the defense is something different with Watt, but. This game is so is so winnable, but we've said that about three or four other games this year. Yes, we have. That uh, that did not go the Colts' way in the end. So. Yeah, I mean, the offensive line is still one of the bottom quartiles in the NFL. Um, they do have... I wish I had a bell. We, we need to rename <laughs> this podcast something about the quartile. Jim Mercy single-handedly added quartile to my the Colts uh, quartile. vocabulary. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they do have good weapons at wide receiver. Deontay Johnson uh, made Pro Bowl last year, over 100 catches. Terrific route runner, has speed. Really has kind of been the short area target for them this year. And then the rookie second-round pick, George Pickens, who we talked about a lot uh, leading up to the draft last year, having a terrific season himself. He's more their deep threat, 33 catches for 453 yards, a um, couple touchdowns, really had a nice game against the Bengals last week with 80 yards and a touchdown and dropped another 40-yard touchdown, which is rare. He usually has good hands. 
so they'll have to look out for him and then talk about, you know, tight ends have done some damage against the Colts. Pat Fryermuth actually leads the team in receiving yards. Now, he's not a dynamic tight end who's, like, superbly athletic, but he's just rock solid on all fronts. Yeah, you, you, and you're right about that, that the Colts uh, sometimes uh, have let a tight end or two slip through their fingers there. Uh, they play some good tight ends, to be fair to them, but nevertheless, uh, w- w- something to watch for sure. On defense, we've mentioned T.J. Watt, last year's defensive player of the year in the NFL with uh, 22 and a half sacks. Uh, last week against the Bengals, he had a half a sack, one interception, which was a remarkable play for that interception. Uh, two passes defended, six total tackles. So he, he makes things happen. And, and Chap, like, this is something that we talked about with, with his brother, J.J. Watt. You, you could block him perfectly for, for 62 plays. But if you play 64 on offense, he's going to make his money on those other two. And that, that's exactly the same thing for T.J. Watt. I was talking to Matt Ryan about that today, just, just all, after we get – done with the scrum and that that's the life of like a, of a left tackle and you know the Colts are going to stick with Bernhard Ryman and and a, a pass rusher is is that offensive lineman can play perfect for 57 or 60 perfect and, and botched three plays and he was awful and then the defensive end can stand there for 57 plays <laughs> and then have three plays where he turns the game around and he's all pro so that's the problem with in both with Bernhard Ryman, I think he plays a lot of plays really well. He's st- he's still what is he two years into being an offensive lineman? Uh, but then but then when the, the bad plays happen, they've come in just such critical situations: the third and goal at the five, and, and things like that. And, and that that's what that's what games turn on. It's 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 a, a, a tackle, an outside guy getting beat, or it's that outside guy winning. And until the Colts can get one thing solved and, and stop the T.J. Watt plays, it's just tough to play offense. And, and that's that's one reason that, like, like, like I've said on this podcast before this year, like I, I think I had a good idea of what the Colts were earlier in the year. And really over the past couple weeks, really since they turned away from Matt Ryan first, I've had just such, such a hard time pinning down what to expect on, on Sunday afternoons from these guys. Um, they performed better than I expected uh, last week on defense, for sure. Offense didn't do enough uh, with the defense, uh, with the defense's performance in general. But, but that, that's kind of the reason why. Well, what you just uh, kind of broke down right there, because they have some young guys who have some undeniable talent, like a Bernard Ryman or an Alec Pierce, who really hasn't been all that he's utilized. Quiet. He's, he's been he's quiet been the last month. I, have people started to take him away? I think yes. I think that some opposing defensive coordinators have realized what he did really well. And this goes back to our preseason talk. Guys out there, listen to the Colts Blue Zone podcast year-round. Let me tell you right now, because we told you this preseason, that Alec Pierce was really good at a couple of different things. And that's why he was a second-round pick or third-round pick. What was he? A third? He was a late second. He was a late second. I like thought he was late. Yeah, 56 or something. something like that. Like he, that's why he's not going in the high second of the first round, because he doesn't have that diverse a route tree. He has very specific things that he does very well. He needs time in the NFL to develop other traits and to learn playbooks more deeply to be able to do other routes and other combinations against different coverages well. But when it comes to having him out there, defenses know how he can attack them so they can guard against that and he's being a big play guy you want to stop that you want to make this Colts offense move down the field so you will shift your coverage toward Alec Pierce 
if you want to avoid him beating you over the top, and you'll say, well, we'll give you this five-yard catch on the other side of the field to, uh, to Michael Pittman. If that's They've not taken many shots downfield with Pittman. They have not. They have his big catch the other, the other day was catch and run. Yep. That's, and that's very different from last year. They were going down the field to Pittman a whole lot more than they were this year. And I, I know Pittman – like, I, I know not because he's told us specifically, but I know because of how he's been asked and how he's answered the question that he would like to see a couple more deep balls down the field. Yeah, Carson Wentz was a little bit more willing to throw those jump Let's balls, go. those 50-50 balls yeah. where, you know, Matt Ryan is uh, not as risk-averse, I guess we'll call it. Um, not as strong-armed like either, let's be honest. That's <laughs> true as well. Or by time to get out of the pocket and launch some of those 50 Yeah, that too, balls. good point. Matt Ryan was asked today about, doesn't there need to be more shots, at least attempts? And he sort of said, yeah. And they said, well, what's been the issue? And he sort of, you know, I said, well, to get those, you need you need time. Yeah. You yeah. Know, so. That's the other thing. Yep. Wentz had a better version of the offensive line last well, year. Well, and sometimes he, he, he bought time getting outside the pocket. Well, For sure. Ryan's not going to do that. I mean, the, 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 the deep ball to Paris Campbell was one of those rare times when he had time to let the, the play develop. Mm-hmm. But generally, they've not been – there have been a couple of deep shots to, to Pierce, I think. Uh, Here and there. Right. But he, he's been more effective, had been more effective on those quick slants uh, Pierce had. Yes, and I think I think they're jumping on those now. They're kind of taking that away from him. But and what I will say about Pierce is because he had that success early in the year, it's kind of allowed recently Pittman and Paris and Campbell, Paris especially, yeah, to to really get involved and have a nice little run there. So um, it, it's not like he's completely disappeared. I think defensives uh, just f- focusing more attention right. on him and seeing what he does well, and then saying, okay, prove that you're more diverse in your abilities, and he hasn't been able to do that right. quite yet. And, and, and like I said, like you would rather try to force the Colts to drive downfield 12, 13 plays rather than let one guy beat you deep. Exactly. Up. You're relying on a Bernard Ryman or a Will Fries to miss a block, and you get knocked into second and 14, or you get knocked into third and 17. And from there, it's just incredibly difficult to pick up those, those first downs when you're behind the chains. So you, you put them in those situations because you just keep them from hitting you deep. You keep them from that big play that they were, they were more, more apt to try for last year. But they just haven't been that this year. And especially since Alec Pierce, like you said, Chap, was, uh, was not, has been kind of quiet the last couple of weeks. We'll, we'll see uh, if, if he or, if hey, if Jelani Woods can come in this, this week. And I'd love to see a big Jelani Woods or a big Mo Alley Cox running down the middle of the field. They completed a pass last week. To eighty-one, and I, like, hey. I, I briefly had to look at my roster to see who the heck it was. <laughs> Wait a minute, yeah, For, it was like his first target or first catch in a month. I don't know what it was. It was a long time. It was a long time. A far, far different cry from what what this uh, tight end group has been uh, in years past with uh, other tight ends who have been quite uh, world beaters at times, uh, if not uh, seven point eight yards per catch beaters. Uh, themselves. You'd but take least, that, wouldn't you? Exactly. At least I'd take 7.9 Jack day, Doyle any in. Any dang day of the week, no doubt. Uh, we, we got on a rabbit trail there, but we haven't talked too much about Minka Fitzpatrick here at the two-time first-team All-Pro uh, for the Steelers, another great playmaker on defense. He's tied for the team lead, three interceptions. Um, obviously, it's not too much. It's not last week. Like we saw C.J. Gardner-Johnson with the Eagles uh, with six interceptions leading the league, but three, three is nothing to sneeze at. And Fitzpatrick is a guy who's proved against the Colts and against other teams in the league, man. When, when, when he, he broke them in, in yep, 19. Yep. When, when he did. He completely broke that broke that game uh, back toward the Steelers. 
And, uh, and yeah, uh, Brian Hoyer was looking pretty good in that game until... Threw a touchdown in the first yeah, the series, was Yeah, he, he comes in and boom, finds Jack Doyle. Then there he is, Jack Doyle, right over the middle uh, for a touchdown. You're right. Then I think the one... Then he was going back to Doyle, I believe. He was. And... Fitzpatrick was, like, was like 90 yards. Uh, uh, I mean, it was. Yeah, it was a long one. It was a really long one. I don't know if Jack would have scored on that play, but he would have gotten down inside the 10 or inside the five. That's for sure. <sighs> so, yeah, no, I'll remember that game because Jacoby Brissett was not happy with me in the locker room afterward. When I asked him what happened on the play that he got injured, he was. Well, he that's when Quinton got pushed yeah. into him? Yeah, yeah. Quinton got uh, blown over by uh, Casey Hayward, I think it was. Who tends to do that to people? He does, exactly. But, yeah, I just wanted uh, Jacoby's opinion on the play, see what happened. And he was. What do you mean by that? He was not too, not too keen on giving me, giving me an answer. So, uh, anyway. Uh, let's go to our keys to the game. Colts, Steelers this week, Monday night football, 8.15 p.m., which, of course, would be Monday night, given the definition of Monday night football. Uh, Joe, you put together your keys to the game, as always. Let's kind of run through them one or two at a time. So let's kick that first one as the Colts get set to take on the Steelers this week. Yeah, first key of the game, same as every game, Pinky. Try to take care of the ball. <laughs> I see what you did there. Thank you. I was wondering if people would get that 90s cartoon reference. But Pittsburgh is one of the best in the league at taking the ball away. The Colts, unsurprisingly, tied for the NFL lead with 19 turnovers. And just last week, we saw how costly Jonathan Taylor's fourth quarter fumble was. They had a chance to make it a two-score game. They had just crossed the 50 on his run where everyone pushed him forward. and then He already had the stinking first down. Already had it. Sorry. Was, was he trying to get down? They wouldn't let him get down? I mean, I, there were a couple of players who I saw kind of like holding his knees up almost. Um, it was so similar to, like we said Monday, so similar to the Titans um, game where he also had a fumble like that. He, he very quietly has lost three fumbles. He's tied Ryan for the league lead or for the for the team lead, and they've just been crippling turnovers. Yep, they just have been. Um, so uh, aside from the obvious, well, I guess this one's just as obvious. But protect Matt Ryan. The Colts have allowed the most sacks in the NFL. Forty. Forty sacks at this point in the year is absurd. They give up four last week to Philly. Um, T.J. Watt. We've already talked about him. He's He's going to get at least one. The question is, do you let him get two or three? Because he's that good of a player. And he's not the only player on this team. Third-year edge rusher Alex Highsmith leads the team with nine sacks. Nine times. It's tied for fifth in the NFL. Uh, and, of course, all-pro D-tackle came. Cam, Cam Hayward. Hayward. Why did I say Casey Hayward? Casey Hay no, no, Cam Hayward. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Joe. Oh, you're fine. Uh, I didn't notice you said that either. But I did, but I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> well, it's okay. You can. You can tell me that I'm stupid. That's, that's fine. I no, can take because it. I am stupid, so I don't, <laughs> I don't point out other stupid people. <laughs> he's, he's pretty darn good himself. He's second on the team with four sacks. So the Colts are really going to have to uh, – Ryman's going to have to have a better game this week than he did last week against the Eagles. Well, good luck with that. I mean, <laughs> like, good luck with that. I'm, writing, I, I'm writing about him today, and – this whatever happens with Bernard Bernhard Ryman, this is not his fault. He's not supposed to be playing this much. He's not. This was supposed to be a not a redshirt season, but he he was supposed to be learning. The Colts love Bernhard Ryman so much they waited to the third round to take them, and not only that, they took him with their second pick in the third round, as we have said. He was right there when podcast. we thought he would be there. Yes, exactly. So I, I, again. We've talked about it, and people ask me all the time about tanking and play the young guys and put in Sam Ellinger because you need to know. I understand playing Ryman. First of all, and Jeff Saturday sort of mentioned that, was it today? Where he said, you know, it's easy to fire people who you're going to hire, which is basically saying if, you don't, if you're going to bench the guy, who are you going to put in there is what he's saying. And it would be Dennis Kelly 
and he might give you a little bit of a boost. I don't know. I mean, it's that's a push. And if, if it's that close, you play the young kid. And you just, we, we were, you know, again, with the Mo Ali Cox thing, he's he probably spends more time in the offensive line meeting room than he does the tight end room because he's, he's, he's a sixth lineman. You're trying to help that tackle, and, and, and a lot of times it's not helped. So, uh, you know, they've put Ryman in a really, really difficult situation, and he's he's got to play better. It's going to be a tough choice this week whether you have Allie Cox help out with Ryman or put him on the other side where Braden Smith is trying to block. You've got to trust. You got to trust Braden Smith to yep. at least or at least up. to start the yeah. game. You, you right. got to tell Braden, all right, that that's your guy. Earn your that's money, your dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Earn your money. Earn it. You know how you know that paycheck you're getting every week. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if they are able to hold up against the pass rush, Pittsburgh has a very explo- exploitable secondary. Uh, they've allowed the most yards per game to wide receivers at over 200 per game, and they're tied for the most touchdowns allowed per game to wide receivers at 1.4. So if they do have time, Matt Ryan should be able to find a Pittman, Pierce, if, Harris. If, 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 if. If, if, if. And that's why he's got it. You know, it's not one of your play, you know, keys to the game, but it, it, almost every week it is, it, it is get something from Taylor. R- ride the running game. I'm not saying – to, to a fault, but the best way to, to negate a pass rush is to run the ball and and throw when you want to throw the ball, not when you have to throw. Th- third and thirteen against these guys, it's just it's just danger. Speaking of Taylor, we didn't talk about this on Monday, but did you guys find it odd that during the two minute drill before the half and at the end of the game it was Deion Jackson, not? But it was always Naheem Hines. Sure, Taylor seldom is is in the two minute. But Naheem Hines at least gives you that playmaking ability where he could break one. Deion Jackson isn't breaking one. Jonathan Taylor, especially at the end of the game when you're in desperation mode, a swing pass to him and he might be able to do something with it. Deion Jackson's giving you five, ten yards at most. I just thought that was kind of odd. Maybe before the half makes a little bit of sense. You don't want to wear Taylor out. There's a minute left to go in but the game. But, again, it's not about wearing Taylor out. They, they kind of decide who they're – Third down, who their two-minute guys are, and it's not—it's not been Taylor. It's crazy that in in the crunch time, it's not just—I mean, your your best offensive player isn't is on, on the, the field. Is, is, on, is on the field? And I, I didn't think he was that—you know—it's not Derrick Henry out there trying to catch passes. It's—I thought Taylor is a solid running back out of the backfield, at least average in that aspect. No argument. So, um, it's a little perplexing to me, but anyway, you know, I mentioned the. Take care of the football. Protect Ryan. This all kind of leads to the final point. Score 20 points. points. The Colts are undefeated this season when reaching the 20-point mark at 3-0-1. and one. Ah, and one. To accomplish this, the offense must convert in scoring territory. We talked on Monday. Indy had three straight possessions that started at the 45 or better against Philadelphia, and they came away with just three points. The Colts were 30th in red zone percentage with a touchdown on just – 43% of the red zone trips. And over their last three games, it's even worse. They are scoring a touchdown on only 28.5% of their red zone drips, trips. That's tied for last in the NFL. That is so bad. First and goal to five. That is so Game, bad. Game's over. You score a touchdown, the game is – there have been like five minutes to play. Game's over. You're up 10 points. Game's over. Gosh. And as soon as they don't get it, the first thing I tweeted out is against Washington, it was 16-10. to 10. And here they were again, and you're you're asking the you're asking the defense. Philly had what 
top four offense, top three scoring, whatever it is, and you hold them down. They've held down Kansas City. They've held down Philly. And the offense, you cannot compete consistently scoring 14, 16. It's, just, it's, it's asking too much. And it, it all goes right back to the red zone. Again, score when you're down there close, and it's, it's a confidence, it's execution. And here's who they are. And you could tell at the end of that fourth quarter, on the Eagles' last two or three drives, the defense was spent. Like, they had nothing left to give. They there was had, no pass rush because they had nothing to give. Exactly. And, and I think that the, the most, uh, the most uh, bellicose fan would, would be like, well, 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 then they need to get in better shape. That's, that's on that. Like, I, 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 I'm not. And usually, I grew up in Philadelphia. I'm one to boo and, and tell you how you're at, on my, my own team needs to get better. I, I'm not on that side of, of the uh, – of the argument in here because because they had given you so much already. They kept a top five NFL offense to ten points through a uh, through fifty eight minutes right. through right. fifty eight minutes of gameplay. That is that is all you could ask. That is everything you could want, and they got it. And the offense did jack with it, as those stats that Joe just ran away with. The offense even had good opportunities. It's not like the offense was just starting back at their 20 at their own 30-yard line and had to drive down the field every uh, every dang possession. No, they had the ball at the 45-plus yard line for crying out loud. Was it the 45, the 46, and then the 22? Yeah, that was the field goal. Yeah, on the the fumble, right on the strip sack. That was the only one they scored on when they started – at the darn twenty-two yard it's, line, it's kind of like they're, they're until recently they're only first quarter touchdown when when it was first and goal at the four against KC. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I don't think anybody's really like I, I haven't heard anybody by the way blame real Chase McLaughlin for for this game either. He did miss a field goal. It was a fifty-plus yard field goal, and that would have been the difference in the game. But no, nobody has really kind of saddled him with the blame for this loss. Well, just Saturday mentioned about missing a kick. I'm thinking it was a fifty-yard field goal. Yeah, like he went fifty percent beyond fifty yards. He's five and seven. Like, let, like for, for Colts' perspective, let's take that right now as opposed to what's happened in the past. I mean, you can only expect any kicker to make so many fifty-plus yard field goals. It's kind of one of those. The offense should have gotten a few yards on third and long instead of an incompletion, and uh, maybe he could have made it because he didn't miss it by much. No, he didn't. It was right there. So this this just comes back to a lack of execution on offense time after time. And one last point on the defense running out of gas. I think part of that comes down to the lack of depth from injuries. Yep. Quiddy's not out there. Lewis isn't out there. Um, you're not able to rotate throughout the game as he normally would like to. And look, if you're chasing after Jalen Hurts for three and a half quarters, man, you're going to get tired. You just are. That dude is different. He's already proven it. Like He's having a really good year, and he's having great fourth quarters this year. Uh, he's had good second quarters, good fourth quarters, like all year long. Uh, he, he's proven that he can make defenses pay, and when this defense got a little bit tired, they just couldn't keep chasing around. He beat him with his legs over and over again. All the way into the end zone. Well, the, co- the coordinator Gus Bradley sort of took the blame on that third and seven because he was pr- thinking pass is what right. he said. So he I understand them- that, but but how do you still not anticipate? I mean, they they spied him a lot. They did in the game, and that one they did, and it, it was it was so wide open. The lead blocker, the lead back, had nobody to block, mm-hmm. which it, it's that's it, it's it was frustrating. But again, I, I you can't you, you just can't blame the defense too much because if the offense just does a little bit more nothing extraordinary no 
Nothing. Just make a couple of plays, and then it's it's a moot point. Give, give Chase McLaughlin a 30-yard field goal or a 35-yard right. field goal instead of 50-yard field. Get one more first down, and, and maybe this game is completely different because you get that extra field goal, and it's 19-17 at the end, and the Eagles have to make an onside kick then to get the ball back with a minute and 20 seconds to go. I, I, I've decided these guys are just good enough to lose, <laughs> and that's a, ba- that's a bad uh, reputation to have. But, I mean, go, go, you just go back and look at – these games to where just nothing again against the Eagles, all the all the problems that they had, all the problems of sacks and, and the penalties and and the missed fifty five, make one play and it doesn't matter. So it, it's just frustrating. At the end of the season, they're going to look, look back and say, "Man, we really let this season." get away from us and then all the all the optimism i think that this team had and the fan base especially had after uh, the, the win in vegas jeff saturday's opening game you go out and get a w on the road unite the team together lots of good vibes well it turns out that the raiders are probably who we thought they were and they're not a good litmus test for the right. uh, the quality of your football team and you you got a little bit more of this this past week certainly with the eagles who were kind of licking their wounds a bit after their first loss of the year you could tell that they were slow slow out of the gates really slow and you didn't step on their necks, as I think Stephon Gilmore said that or something. Uh, somebody said that in the yep, locker room. Yeah, Stephon said it. Didn't, didn't step on their necks, didn't, didn't uh, put them out of their You, look, you look good teams hang around, and good, good te- better teams are, are going to find a way to beat you. Yep, yep. The story of Hancock Health is all about you and everything you need to live your healthiest life. Like Hancock Regional, one of the nation's safest hospitals and an independent health network with over 70 doctors at more than 30 locations around East Central Indiana. We're growing and evolving to help further your story. And we're just getting started. See all the ways Hancock Health and you can work together to make health possible at HancockHealth.org. Colts are two and a half point favorites in this game against the Steelers. Uh, the over/under set at a uh, a preposterous uh, thirty nine point five. It keeps going down. To, I mean, not not this game, but every game of the Colts. It seems like it's like forty three, and then it's forty two, and then it's forty one. Thirty nine and a half is crazy. Slowly going down. Yeah, but you don't see many NFL games below forty. If I'm betting your money, I'm taking the under. Yeah, yeah, I, I might be too uh, with with my money, and Joe might be with with his money as well. We will see. So if the Colts are two and a half point favorites, they're predicting something like a. Uh, what, like a 21 or 20 to 18, something like that, 21 to 18 uh, ball game right around there. So, hey, if the, if the Colts could score 20 points, that shows third key, third key to the game, then uh, get 20 points. Well, it's at least going to be a tie. Yeah, that's good much, are you? The yeah. defense is, on average, allows 20 points a game. So, you're, mm. you're at least going to tie if you can just so get to 20. You don't want, want overtime on a Monday night, do oh, geez. And the Steelers are a <laughs> below average NFL offense. So, you you would hope the uh, the defense could keep them below uh, below below 20 points this week. So uh, I'll go first. Uh, Joe, you can go next. Chap, you'll round us out. I know that I, I've you're got you it cover that down. up. I've got I it saw that you wrote it down. You've been like I scribbling hate people copying it. my homework. Yeah, uh, don't worry. I, I don't think that we're going to be we're going to be copied here uh, because uh, I like I look at this game and and I unfortunately uh, see like I just I can see this going the exact same way that the Broncos game went early this year. It's just twelve to nine. It's just defenses. I think I think the Steelers' defense with T.J. Watt back is is different. It is a different defense, and this Colts offense with a struggling offensive line. I mean, gee whiz, uh, that, that's that's like I think both defenses defensive lines could be licking their chops in this game, kind of like they were in that game on a Thursday night, another primetime game earlier this year. Um, so 
Can a defense make a play to win this game? We've said all year this Colts defense is good enough to win games, and they've done enough to win games. But can they win a game, kind of like Stephon Gilmore did in that game uh, against uh, against the Denver Broncos? So it's going to come down to that. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with the Steelers, sixteen to nine, maybe sixteen to ten. I'll give them. I'll, I'll give them a touchdown. The Colts, maybe sixteen thirteen. I've talked myself into sixteen thirteen. Two field goals and a touchdown for the Colts in the last uh, seven and a half seconds here. So I I I think the uh, the Steelers get the plays that they need to, and the Colts are going to be disappointed uh, after this after this game. Maybe the Colts fans will be happy because they get another loss and they'll get closer to the that's top true. of the draft. That's but, true. Exactly. But but at the same time, you've already won. You've already won four games and tied another game. So you're, they can you're not take the rest point. of the season and, and they're going to pick seventh or eighth. Exactly. This you're not going to get into that top five. This is an important game because the Steelers are three and seven. So if yeah. they beat them, then all of a sudden the Colts exactly. and Steelers will flip flop. He's been talking about on, on Monday every time. Uh huh. He, he wants this team to tank so bad. Joe's got a bit of draft board back at his Sherman house like tank. Velcro. Uh, with Colts all these have four teams. wins. The second pick in the draft right now has two. So there's a lot of... You're not that far off. Exactly, exactly. But I think the Colts are going to win because they're going to do just enough to keep from getting a high draft pick. And this is one of the few chances that they have for the rest of the year to do that. Not that that's what motivates them. But um, I think you know they were so close against Philadelphia, Pittsburgh... Uh, you know, same state, but darn it, they're not even close to as good as Philadelphia, and I think the Colts will be able to do just enough to win this game. And I think the defense can potentially win this game against a rookie quarterback who uh, looks good one second and then really struggles the next. Chap. Did you give a score? I'm going to go – they're going to get to 20, and Pittsburgh's going to have 13. I've got 17-13. (laughs) <laughs> good guy, good guys. Oh, okay. So we're just a little and, bit. And, it, and it, see, they've lured me in. And, and they just just me when back. I thought just, I was just out. When I thought they I was pulled out. Chap back in because I, I think that I think that Ryan has. He's not had a turnover in his last in his two starts. I don't How about believe. that? He has not. So and, and again, not even a fumble. Not even a fumble. Maybe he's due. Yeah, There's me being I, I know, pessimistic. There you go. Well, I'll scribble. No, <laughs> I think they'll. I just I think the defense is playing well enough that they're not going to let this game get away from them, and they're going to try again. We're seeing the running game kind of getting going again. It started off really good against Philly, and then Philly adapted and, and took it away. Uh, but I think they're going to try. You've, you've, got, you've got to neutralize the, the pass rush by running the ball and the short passing game. But, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be 17-13, and it, they're gonna, it's going to be ugly because there's going to be some bad plays. The Steelers – are going to give you bad plays because they're that good on defense. They just can't be, you know, catastrophic bad plays where it's a scoop and score or whatever. But they, the the team that does just enough to lose will do just enough to win. Speaking of due, you know who's played really well this year who I think might be due? Isaiah Rogers. He has mm. held up really well in coverage. I think he had, what, three interceptions last year, picked off Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. This might be the week he finally gets one. All right. Joe's picking Isaiah Rogers. I like that pick. And I, I definitely think that the Colts' defense can do enough to win this game. I just don't know if they will. We'll see. You, you do know that they won't because you picked them. You picked Pittsburgh. I picked Pittsburgh. Okay. That's correct. That's, that's what I think. 
you're going to play right, Pittsburgh, so. stay with Pittsburgh. All right, well, we'll stick with it. Uh, that's, that's, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Uh, hope you all listen uh, Listen to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Like I said earlier, uh, uh, subscribe to us. Get us delivered to your podcast listening device every week. Uh, the Colts Blue Zone pregame show will air in Central Indiana on CBS4 uh, at, at 11.30 Sunday morning, as per usual, even though the Colts do not play on Sundays this week. Um, they will be playing on Monday Night Football, Pittsburgh Steelers, inside Lucas Oil Stadium. We'll see if they can get that fifth win of the year, crawl a little bit closer to 500, and uh, ruin everyone's hopes and dreams really for a higher draft Really mess up Joe's day. Exactly. So that, that could happen. I'm going to be so torn on Monday. Exactly. I, I'm going to root for them to win. Of course. My heart says go Colts. Yeah. My brain says go Steelers. So. But they, they've already won too many games to be top five, haven't they? I mean, well, they can get to 10. I mean, you can still get a good player. Patrick Mahomes was taken 10th. Like, you can still get a good yeah. quality player. Josh Allen was taken what? He seventh. was like seventh, yeah, I think so. But I think you're going to get the fourth best quarterback. And sometimes, that, some no, years that no, might be the best. You one. never know I exactly. Yeah. So you just got to you got to outsmart everyone and get a little bit lucky. So, so we'll see what happens. We appreciate you all listening. For Mike Chapel and Joe Hopkins, I'm Dave Griffiths. Follow us all on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone for news and notes throughout the week. And we'll see you next week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. 